So this morning I thought I would say a few words about right view. And my, my sense, and it would invite you to reflect on this yourselves. My sense is that all of our problems in the world really stem first and foremost from not having right view. I think the Buddha said that too, in one way or another. And part of that right view is to know that when we get caught up in thinking, this is me, this is mine, when those things can't possibly be me or mine, whether that's our possessions or uh, are even our body and our and our mental faculties or our ideas of who we are, our views and opinions, our prejudices and so on. That's when we get into trouble. We we tend then not to act and speak and live according to the Dhamma. So the Buddha and you know all of his Arahant disciples ever since have been amazing examples of how to live according to the Dhamma. And that kind of example or that expression comes in so many different ways, you know, in how to treat other people and how to respect and encourage ourselves in the practice, how to live with little and be content, how to keep virtue and be a completely safe being um, in this world. And one example of the Buddha's behavior in line with right view came, came up a, a couple days ago. And it's around understanding that we are all, all human beings have the ability and the right you might say to awakening and that the the ways in which we view each other as less or more or even the same um, are part of wrong view and particularly when we see others as less than it creates an incredible amount of pain and suffering and Aya Dhammadipa is part of the Buddhist global relief um, action to feed the hungry. And she talked about, we, uh, she talked about this uh, enlightened monk from the time of the Buddha that we were actually, we've been using the, the Teragata. So this one, um, uh, this one is by Venerable Kiribatgoda Gananandatera. So 
Kiribagota is where he would come from, his village, and the Gananda would be his name. Uh, and so he's a Sri Lankan monk who translated this, um, the, the verses of the enlightened monks. And so we were looking into this book and we read this verses of this Arahant monk, disciple of the Buddha. And I'm going to share this with you. And then Aya Dhammatipa also told us that Reverend Hangshur of the Berkeley Buddhist Monastery had written a song about this monk. And we're going to play it for you. So you can get an idea of the Buddha's approach uh, to especially those people um, who unfortunately are seen as less than in society. This is what uh, Arahant Sunita said. I was born in a low class family, poor, having little food. My job was very lowly. I was a disposer of people's feces. People shunned me, disgraced me and insulted me. So making my mind humble, I paid homage to many people. But I was extraordinarily fortunate. One day I saw the great hero, the Buddha, entering the famous city of Rajagaha, surrounded by a large company of monks. I put down my rack of buckets of feces. I approached the Buddha to worship the sacred feet of the Blessed One. At that time, out of sympathy for me, the best of beings, the Supreme Buddha, stood still. I worshiped my great teacher's sacred feet. Then I stood up to one side. I begged to become a monk, the best life of all. Then the merciful great teacher, compassionate towards the whole world, said to me, come monk. That was my higher ordination. I live in the forest alone. I'm not lazy. I fully followed the instruction exactly as the Buddha advised me. In the first watch of the night, I gained the knowledge to recollect my previous lives. In the middle watch of the night, I purified my divine eye. In the last watch of the night, I tore apart the thick darkness of ignorance. Then at the end of the night, towards sunrise, the god Saka and the great Brahma came and worshipped me with hands together. Homage to you, thoroughbred of men. Homage to you, best of men. Great sage, your mind is fully freed from all taints. You are worthy of the offerings of the world. My great teacher saw the assembly of gods surrounding me and smiled. Then the great teacher said this, by austerity, by living the holy life, by self-restraint and self-taming, one becomes a Brahmin. Here there is a supreme Brahmin. These verses were said by Arahant Sumita. So you probably already know that the Buddha um, very much opposed to the caste system. 
And of course, India isn't the only place where we have these systems. We know that they're deeply embedded in our culture and as far as I know, in almost every culture. Because human beings have this wish when we, when we don't understand the Dhamma to be powerful and have power over someone else. And this is something that many of us feel um, like we'd like to change, do everything we can to change it. And I think that we can make great strides in this regard when we actually understand the, the depths of this and how it works. I also am convinced that as long as there's greed, hatred, and delusion, this will continue in one form or another to some degree. But by living according to the Dhamma, we naturally stand up to it. We naturally want to seek out how to um, align with people who are put in this position to be discriminated against. Try to understand what they're welcome, Eddie and Val, in person people. Okay, you're going to have to take a look at this. Thanks. There is Val. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so the um the song that Reverend Hunter wrote is really very similar to this. There are a couple of differences in his, in the way he tells the story, and one of them is that instead of Sunita being a one who has to clean up and collect human feces is that he he collects the the um, the dead flowers off the shrine. And the interesting part about this is that the Pali word used could mean either one. Uh, those are the kinds of jobs that are allowed for people of the lowest grade in the society. And I've heard of. Um, you know, people who, you know, with their bare hands have to clean the, the gutters along the streets um, of human feces. I know we know this still is happening in places and, and to be able to uh, clean up the dead flowers of the shrines, of course, better, but not by a whole lot. So I'm going to share the screen. for the song and share the sound. Good morning, this is Hung Shur coming to you from the Gold Coast of Queensland, Australia, among the Buddha's senior disciples known as the Terra Gata, the songs of the elder Buddhist monks. Sunita was an outcast. He was a Chandala. He was a Harijan, a child of God, now known as a scavenger, the lowest caste. And he, his father disappeared when he was a child. 
He had a dysfunctional family. He was a beggar. He had to support his own life by going to pujas, going to ceremonies. And when they were done, he would pick up the broken flowers and he left over food, sell what he could and, and throw the rest away. But he had one redeeming practice that carried him through, which was he made ritual prostrations. He bowed and he bowed to his future awakening. He didn't know he was going to meet the Buddha, but when he did, his life changed. I was born poor in a lowly family. Father disappeared, there was little to eat. My work was degrading. I gathered withered flowers from the shrines, I sold what I could, and threw the rest away. People found me disgusting, and they despised me. They just ignored me, or they looked away. The pain of rejection hurt as much as the hunger. But I lowered my heart and I bowed every day. Then I saw the great hero entering the city. The greatly awakened one with his monks in line. The most supreme of the Magadans walking like a lotus pure and refined. Now, being an outcast, uh, for Sunita to draw near the Buddha, who was a kshatriya, the warrior, the ruler class, if the shadow of an outcast touches the body of a Brahman or a kshatriya, the legend says they can never wash it clean. And the upper caste person is within his rights to beat him, kick him to the curb, or do him physical harm. Sunita, because of his practice of bowing, sees the Buddha and takes his chance. I lost all fear. I set down my pole and baskets. I drew near and I wanted to bow. And then he, the conqueror of Mara, stopped the line. He stood still, out of kindness, just for me. After showing reverence at the feet of the teacher, I stood to one side and I said these words, O oh, great sage, supreme among all beings, may I take refuge and leave home with you. The compassionate teacher raised one hand in a blessing with the sound of kindness for all the world. He said, come monk, that was my ordination. I left home and my new life began. Now, if this were a movie, the scene would show 
uh, lonely hut high in the mountains and Sunita cultivating as a hermit following the Buddha's instructions out in the wilderness. Now I live alone here in the mountains I never tire I cultivate the way following my teacher's words just as he taught me with one mind by night and by day as the sun went down I entered Samadhi I saw my past lives I opened my heavenly eye just before dawn I broke through the mass of darkness to the state of the deathless I did certify night was ending and the sun was returning Indra and Brahma paid their respects to me with the palms together shining light the way gods do with eloquence they said these words to me one of the beautiful ironies of Sunita's verse is here are Indra and Brahma, chief among gods, higher even than the human Brahmins. And what do they do? They want to celebrate Sunita's accomplishment. Never mind his worldly caste. What do the chief among gods say? Homage to you, thoroughbred of humans. Homage to you. Human supreme, your afflictions have ended, all your suffering is over. You, dear sir, are worthy of offerings. Now, the penultimate verse of Sunita's biographical poem brings the Buddha back into the scene, and there is some ironic social commentary here as the Buddha claims Sunita a true Brahman, not by birth, not by parentage, not by social status, but by inner virtue, by wisdom and compassion. Upon seeing me, venerated by the devas, the teacher smiled, and he proclaimed, through austerity, celibacy, restraint, and self-control. He became a Brahman. Sunita is a Brahman supreme. The story of Sunita. Applause is happening in some quarters. <laughs> so for Buddhist Global, so I believe he wrote this for Buddhist Global Relief. Is that right, yeah. Sister? Mm -hmm. For their action. Uh oh. It's still playing somewhere in here. Excuse me. Whoops. <laughs> 
I'm just going to like try to close YouTube and hope I still have Zoom. <laughs> no? Oh. oh, good. You're still here. <laughs> Technology. <laughs> so for Buddhist Global Relief, writing this for Buddhist Global Relief, and especially taking the story directly out of the Theragata, makes it really powerful. And of course, um, Buddhist Global Relief has projects helping people all over the world who have stories very much like Sunita's. And the Buddha just, you know, as we read the suttas and we take in um, what the Buddha actually said and did way back then, gives us an incredibly beautiful example for how to live our own lives. And we can see from, from the Buddha's perspective, all these distinctions we make about each other, um, about how we look and uh, what our family um, tree has been or any of those things, they don't matter. He calls those just verbal distinctions. But what matters is how we behave and whether or not we are virtuous whether or not we're kind, whether or not we understand the Dhamma. Because if we do, then we understand how karma works. And we understand that our good actions bring good results and our unwholesome actions bring unwholesome, painful results. And, um, and then underlying all of that, that understanding and other, other um, aspects of the Dhamma uh, is right view. So we can bring it back to right view. Are we really seeing things in accordance with the Dhamma? And sometimes that means we really need to examine our assumptions, particularly the ones that we've been um, fed, you might say, over our entire lifetime. So I, I know uh, people who are quite self-reflective and, um, you know, really intelligent, kind people who still think, you know, racism doesn't really exist in this country. Um, you know, that it, that the, that the um, instances of overt racism are rare. But there's really so much that we're not seeing in, in how the Dhamma operates and in how people um, act when they're not being guided by the Dhamma. And, and uh, the Buddha didn't try to change society so much as he tried to, well, first of all, change himself and then set a good example and use his influence over his own organization so that he could show that um, it's that that awakening is available to all of us regardless of those verbal designations and sunita is certainly not the only um, lower caste person that the Buddha ordained. 
this happened at other times too. In fact, there was one time when a group of, of the noble class and this uh, one low caste person were ordaining together and, the and these young men said uh, they wanted the, the person who had always been um, put down as a low caste person to go before them. So they would always bow to him. It's really beautiful. Understanding how we can do our part to make this better and how that's natural as we develop in the Dhamma. I think we'll do some meditation and then I really wanna hear everybody's ideas on, you know, this and, and maybe broaden the conversation to other aspects of right view. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.